0: Sox fans, here are the
1: Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight we're going to be going into some roster situations. We had some cuts today. Uh, We'll talk about other scenarios throughout the roster, probably most namely in the infield who might make the team at this point. Now that we have a little bit more clarity. Also, we are going to be getting into our Red Sox win totals. We will each give our total for that and perhaps kind of break down, you know, what needs to happen to, to get to our win totals and, and possibly exceed them. So I am Terry Cushman. I am joined tonight by Andrew Dwan and Jason Kelly. <laughs> Jason, you have your middle name on there. And one of these times, I'm just going to read that <laughs> and have a run. Uh, I forgot there was that was on there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it messes with me. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm going to have a Ron Burgundy moment, one of these shows and just read what's on the screen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that uh, messes me up a little bit, but that's fine um all right so uh this is the midweek alignment for the first half of the season and then we're gonna flip the staff a little bit uh jason will go back to the early week show at that point and i think Job comes back to the midweek in the second half but uh so this will be a little bit of a preview of what to expect in the first half on the wednesday and thursday night shows but you guys about ready i mean it's almost there i mean a week from thursday right it's coming quick
2: yeah, I'm I'm definitely ready. I it's it's sneaking up fast, but uh I'm ready.
1: It's so annoying though that Friday's an off day. Like you you wait you wait so long for opening day and then you've got a day of nothing right after it. There'll they, be other games, but
2: Yeah, they do that constantly. It's so annoying. I always hate the the Friday off day or the the off day after opening day. It's so annoying.
0: Yeah, I don't know if it'd be any better. Like I almost kind of hope it rains out that first day so we 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 just get that full, you know, series in a row just right off the bat. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I've already pointed out on a recent episode before April 19th there is only two primetime games. One of those I think is that first weekend because it's an ESPN game on Sunday night. So not good for the blue collar people that are <laughs> that are working, but um, yeah, so, and actually before we do get going, we've seen Euclid in there with Dave O'Brien. We've seen Maserati. Who, who do you guys like so far?
2: I, I like Maserati. I think Maserati is going to grow into the role as he goes, because he's still kind of doing the talk radio thing where he doesn't like to have any silence. So it, there is a lot that he's pouring into it. I like Yuke too. I, I think Yuke is pretty good. Um, and you know, I, I like that Euclid was sort of a, a smart cerebral hitter back in his day. So he kind of can give that insight too. um, I, you guys know me, like I, the guy I'm not looking forward to hearing is Millar. So I like, I'm happy with these two so far. I think Millar is going to be
1: a disaster. That's the one that (laughs) intrigues me, but go ahead, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: far, honestly, I'm going off a little off script here, but my favorite combo has been Monaco in, uh, That was my favorite early in spring. But yeah, you right out. The jump has been great. He didn't stumble at all. Um, I think he's going to do really well. I think he's got his timing down. Like Jim Rice had some awkward moments where he didn't really know when he should be chipping in with things. And it took him a while to really get comfortable with the gig. As far as Maserati is concerned, I, I hate Tony Maserati and just like him on Twitter, like, Oh, you should watch the Red Sox today. It's like, dude, How many months last year did you spend saying, like, don't watch the Red Sox? They're frauds. Don't watch them. Don't watch them. They can't give tickets away. Just with this negative script that, I'm pretty sure he was just – I don't, honest to God, think he felt that way. I just think it's the 98-5, like, motto. But I I don't know. I don't like hearing him in the booth. I actually – I went to the uh, away broadcast today and uh, watched watched after, like, the second inning on the Twins.
1: (laughs) See – I'm a little bit more entertained by Maserati than Euclid. And surprisingly, it's interesting to listen to Maserati's breakdowns. Cause he does sound like he was an ex player and, and he wasn't. So I just, like I said, a little surprised. Uh, it's an awkward fit because of that. If you're not going to have an actual color guy in the booth, I guess if you put Eckersley in, it would balance it out. But I do agree with you on Monaco, though. I uh, much prefer him over <laughs> over um, Dave O'Brien. There was one part with Monaco where he was talking about uh, Euclid's scally cap that he's been wearing. And they were talking about being out in the sun and... I forget how Monaco broached it, but he's like, "Well, not to be awkward, but I mean, you do have to put sunscreen on your head." <laughs> and <laughs> Euclid is like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> of course, I'll burn right up." And it's just, it's just funny. So you you might get like a hint of Orsillo with with Monaco as as he grows into it, but uh, yeah. I can't wait for the O'Brien thing. And all he and Maserati did for an inning was rage about not having a pitch clock. Like that's all they talked about that inning. It was just, yeah, I hated that.
2: There was, there was another side thing that O'Brien and him got obsessed over. What is a bunting machine and does a bunting machine exist? And they were like spending half the inning, Googling it and talking about it. It's like, okay, guys, we, we don't really care. (laughs) This is kind of dumb now. Like,
1: yeah. So, well, we'll see how it plays out, but I, I am looking forward to Millar. I just want to at least see it. Ugh. I thought <laughs> I thought Johnny Gomes was going to be awesome, but I was wrong. So, and I could be about Millar. I
0: think it, a lot's going to depend on how Dave O'Brien works with him. I think it takes a type and if he doesn't Kind of bounce off and bring you know the same amount of energy, it's gonna not sound right. It's gonna sound super out of place. I think Monaco in that situation would be great.
1: I really do. I think so too. but Nessen doesn't like to admit they're wrong you know, seven years later after uh, getting rid of Orsillo. so All right, so let's just get to the business at hand. Uh, Red Sox made some cuts today. Uh, Some of the bigger names that got sent down, Connor Wong, Jaron Duran, Ryan Fitzgerald, who's kind of been the darling of of spring training. I think he might have been in the independent leagues until recently or something like that. Um, But hit four dingers. So um, those are some of the names. And then you got some uh, lesser known guys, uh, Zach Kelly, Jeff Hartlieb, Taylor Cole. I'm not too familiar with them. Uh, Roberto Ramos. I mean, these aren't guys that are highly regarded, I wouldn't think.
2: No, and and really of that list, the one that sort of surprised me was Duran, because I figured he would be a good fourth outfielder, a good speed option off the bench. Because um, initially going into this season, I thought Jackie Bradley Jr. would be your fourth outfielder, because I thought they would do something else there. Uh, he's not. He's your starting right fielder, so... Uh, and it looks like he might be on the bench if they're going to put JD out there in right field and mess with the lineup or whatever. But Duran was a little surprising because, you know, even the game today, like, you know, they put him in at second base. He scores on a long fly ball because he's, he's just able to use his speed like that. I figured he would be a good bench guy, but I also think Cora wants him to go down to the minors, get a lot of at-bats because he wants him to have that breakout first half to justify, okay, now you can come up and now you're going to play.
0: And to me, I, I am still of the mind that they are going to make another move. I think there's moves coming. I really do. We haven't had the full blasted trades that we all thought. And High Bloom kind of hinted at that earlier today where he said he expects um, a lot more moves after this little bit of a lull that there's been in the offseason. So I, I think we're going to get another outfielder. Definitely not a free agent at this point. There's really no one left after Tommy Pham signed. Um, well, Conforto, but I don't. I'm not too sure he really quite fits the mold with being a left uh, left hander. Be nice though in that lineup. But I, um, I just think with the way their roster is constructed, that they do have room to bring in another right handed uh, hitting outfielder.
1: I saw that too, and that would certainly be very welcoming. There's one trade the Red Sox could make that I'm obsessed with, and I'm not going to let it go until he's in the opening day starting lineup. Well, is it? No, I mean, it's a possibility trade possibility. I I don't think JD Martinez is going to be on this roster. I really don't. I think we're going to get some type of move that we don't see coming. And, I, I think there'll be a couple of motivations for it. One, we don't know what his vaccination status is. I don't think they're crazy about not being fully powered for 10 games in Toronto. I'm not, I'm not saying they won't do it, but getting rid of his salary would, would also get us well below the the luxury tax threshold again. So uh, the, it's, it's just one thing. I just – it wouldn't shock me. And – I don't know what you do at DH. I mean, you, you can rotate a bunch of guys in there to kind of rest them a little bit. You know, it's kind of like getting half the day off. It could be a spot where you could utilize Christian Arroyo a little more than normal if there's no obvious spot for him because his bat is valuable and the chances of him getting hurt if he's DHing ing are, are pretty slim. I'm not saying he would play a ton of games there, but it's it's certainly an alternative and I'm just, I just have this sneaking feeling that it's going to happen. Uh, you know, may, maybe it's only a, a 30% chance, 40% chance. But to me, that's still significant. I, that,
0: I think that would rattle a lot of cages in the locker room. I, I just can't see that. But I will say that Sean McAdam did come out with a report earlier uh, this week and said JD was vaccinated last season. He, he was Yes, that's on uh, Boston Sports Journal. He posted this on oh, March fifteenth. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I don't. I feel like a lot of that's been going around where people didn't know it, it's been kept pretty quiet that he's vaccinated. But yeah, from what McAdams saying, and it doesn't look like he's taking this report back. Um, JD should be good to go for Toronto.
1: I tweeted out yesterday to see if someone could show me something saying that he was vaccinated. And after several hours, nobody could. So that's probably the only instance of it. So I, I hope you're right because that we're all set for Toronto in that case. But so we'll we'll see. I do think Bloom wants to get under the CBT though. I don't think he wants to be above it.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I'm with Andrew. I, I don't know if a J.D. Martinez trade is is coming. Maybe maybe another trade to, to dump some other salary. But, you know, it, with all the things about, you know, J.D. Martinez saying he wants to finish his career in Boston and them saying they're going to play him in right field because they trust him to make the plays out there. Like, it's just kind of weird language coming from both camps to all of a sudden see that he's traded.
1: And that, um, that's another thing that's messing with me right now. Uh, we, we get the propaganda from the Bradley trade, and, and I, I know we got Benelis, but how many times did we say, hear Bloom and Cora say, we've got a premium defender in the outfield, but then, oh, wait a minute, half the games, J.D.'s going to get some right field time. Not Verdugo, J.D. Martinez in the biggest right field in Major League Baseball. That's weird. It's, it's unsettling.
2: Yeah, the J.D. Martinez playing right field thing is... The most puzzling aspect of spring trading so far because he, like you said, it, the whole idea behind the Bradley trade was okay, we get this great prospect. And yeah, he struggled offensively, but he's such an elite defender. And our lineup is so good before that, then it doesn't matter. We, you know, he'll save us some runs on defense and we'll live with his bat. Now, all of a sudden, it's well, JD's going to be out there a lot. And it's like JD Martinez has never been a good outfielder i doubt that he's gotten any better have you seen him he looks he looks plump let's put it that way he he looks like he's uh put on a little extra weight and his bat looks slow and you know just the idea of him trotting out there in right field like i don't get it, it yeah it's it's one of the more puzzling storylines coming from this team
0: i honestly i don't mind having jackie out there against left-handers um for his defense. I I really don't care if, if it keeps JD's bat in the lineup, I don't see why you got to switch. This lineup will be deep enough. I didn't want, I didn't think Jackie was going to be their everyday right fielder, but that kind of changed with Trevor story. There's your offensive bump at a position. I don't think we really thought we were getting an offensive bump at. So that kind of covers up that ward. I would just keep Jackie out there for as long as you need. I don't think it's worth, you know, risking JD getting hurt you know wearing him down he played terribly when he was playing uh the field at the plate he was just brutal he hit some like 220 i just don't see the risk reward being good enough to throw him out there what what's he gonna do more than jackie's doing if his numbers are gonna be 220
1: yeah and and you're talking about jd being out there his his numbers go down is what you're saying yeah 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 that's what i'm saying like how
0: much better is a you know, a 50% J.D. Martinez that, you know, Jackie Bradley facing the lefty.
2: Yeah, and we saw today, like, they've got Christian Arroyo taking reps in right field, so it's it's the weirdest thing where it's like, they were so sold on, yep, Jackie's our guy, he's our right fielder, like, don't worry about it, we made the right move, now all of a sudden it's, well, let's throw Christian out there too, let's throw an injury-prone infielder out into the biggest right field in Major League Baseball, because that'll work out well, and let's throw J.D. Martinez out there too, it's like, it feels like they're scrambling now. Like, I don't know. For some reason, they're just now realizing how badly Jackie Bradley Jr. sucks at the plate. And they're like, oh, we got to find a solution for right field. So let's get JD out there. Let's get Christian Arroyo out there. So I don't get it. As much as I can't stand the player, I'm with Andrew. Like, just keep JBJ out there. At least he's good defensively. At least he'll save you some runs there. And you know what? If his bat is just really just... Still sucks and and is you know an absolute black hole in the bottom of your lineup. Then you make an adjustment later on, but I don't see how putting an old guy who's you know used to being a DH or an infielder who's injury prone out there is going to make the team any better.
1: I still think, uh, like I said, it's there's just too many weird, unsettling things surrounding JD for me, and. I mean you could probably get something significant for him I would think uh, and I'm not talking you won't you won't get his production but y- you can get that missing piece somebody else will value JD to give you you know w- whatever you're looking for and are they going to let him walk for nothing I because that's what's going to happen if we don't trade him he's walking for nothing
0: yeah, I don't know how that compensation format's going to work. I don't know if there's going to have to be like a minimal threshold for a contract, but I, I kind of think that's a f- good way to end this relationship is him walking on us. This has been a great contract. Rarely, rarely do these over $100 million contracts end, you know, amicably and without a guy just being a dead weight at the end of it. I don't know. I don't, I don't mind wa- just having him walk at the end of the year.
2: I I agree. I, yeah. Let him walk. I mean, you, you've gotten a lot of production out of him. Um, You know, you got a world series out of him. I just, I think at this point, yeah, you you let him walk, you let the money go and you know, you you figure it out from there. Um, I don't see any reason why you need to, you know, struggle to keep him around or, you know, sign him to another two, three year deal where it's like how many years realistically of great production does he have left after that? I don't think that he's going to go to like another team and he's going to, you know, you know, make you regret letting him walk. You know, he'll he'll have a couple of good years after that, but not many. So you I agree. D- I let him walk.
1: You just don't see it too often. You know, usually a team's going to capitalize. So, um, and the bloom era is a little too short to, to know how, how they might look at that. But, all right, here's another thing. It, it, it surrounds Bradley. So is it ever going to make sense for him and Jaron Duran to ever be on the roster together outside of an injury happening and, and calling him up by necessity? Because they're both lefties.
2: I, I think it does in the sense that Bradley has the defense that Duran doesn't, and he's also got the experience. But Duran has that explosive speed that potential to you know make a big play on the base pass where jackie can't you know and and Duran's bat and hes skip better too I mean it, you know let's let's not pretend like Jaron Duran is is this great hitter he he has a lot to work on but if he can take walks steal bases and be you know a threat on the base pads and um again i I think he's a good fourth outfielder that's why him being sent down kind of surprised me because him off the bench in late game situations is, you know, really dangerous. And Jackie's defense, that's pretty much the only reason he's still a major leaguer is because he's an elite defender. Um, So you could make a case that like, you know, Jackie's maybe your everyday right fielder, but Duran is, is on the bench and, you know, can come up in, in a pinch running or pinch hit spot. So you could, um, but I, I understand what you're saying. It's two lefties with who, you know, neither of them are great hitters. So that's that's tough too.
1: Like platooning them doesn't make any sense though so there's not going to be a platoon but any, any thoughts Andrew?
0: Yeah, I I agree with both of you on this in different aspects. You, you can't have Duran out there late in games. I don't trust his defense as much as it looks better this uh, spring training, it looks like he's taking better routes to the ball. He did completely miss one by about 60 feet that he lost in the sun. Uh, I think it was yesterday. I, he'd really have to hit very well to justify that platoon though. I, from what you're, what you're getting at there, I I think we'll probably end up seeing one of them get moved out um, eventually if both are doing adequately
1: at, via a trade. You mean, I think so. And I, I you know, if we're
0: going to have injuries, it's a weird season with the truncated spring trading. I, I could see, you know, if the Red Sox ate a decent amount of money on Jackie, that if a team lost their center fielder or right fielder, he's going to have some value to a team like that. You know, if Boston ate 75% of that contract and who knows uh, if there's a pitcher available and a uh, team still thinks Jared Duran has the potential that apparently MLB pipeline still thinks he has, uh, we could see him being one of, you know, a second piece to a deal.
1: That would make sense. I mean, if you're trading for an outfielder, you would almost automatically think Duran would probably be in the package because he's expendable. So that's one aspect to look at. I'm I'm just trying to look at the bench right now, and Pulecki and Arroyo are both on it. So you've got two spots. Even with the two extra men, it's going to be a 28-man roster for two or three weeks, but those will be pitchers. So so that's not going to affect the bench in all likelihood. So let's look at first base real quick. Travis Shaw doesn't have a hit in spring training. So is he, is he the backup to Dolbeck? They're both righty lefty. I I just, I think
2: he probably is at this (laughs) point. Yeah. I mean, Oh, for 12, that's not, not looking great for spring training, but I think also they, they kind of don't care about spring training stats. They, they like Travis Shaw. That's the reason they brought him in. And I don't see like when you look at their other first base depth, I don't see any of these other guys, you know, um, supplanting him as as the bench piece. So I think he's kind of the the de facto choice there.
0: I, I hope Travis Shaw's not on this team. I don't know. That was my least favorite move of last year. I remember saying it. I didn't I didn't want him back. I, didn't, I don't I didn't think there was a need. Uh, they can save some money by not bringing him up to the major league roster. I think they save everything. I think he's only guaranteed that contract if he's up in Boston. So
1: We're I razor really, thin. Razor thin at, at first base. Because Casas got sent down too, and he's only played in, I think, one game or two.
0: Yeah, he's been all backfield this spring training. I God damn it. Yeah, it's going to be him, isn't it? <laughs> or Arroyo until he, like... Tears of groin.
1: I don't think so. He lasted, what, one inning, two innings in that one game that, at first? And then we didn't see him didn't, again for a month.
0: Didn't so, know how to stretch.
1: So not loving the bench so far. So that's three out of four spots. I, I, I want to say that Yolmer Sanchez is pro- probably the, the next guy. I mean, he's a middle infielder.
2: Yeah, I was going to say either Yolmer Sanchez or Ref Snyder because um, ref Snyder can play the outfield and the infield a True. little bit too. That's hard. Oh, and he's a right-handed bat, which they need. So can,
1: can Yomer play first? I doubt it, right? No,
2: I don't think so. Not he's he's too small to play first, but that body type, I don't think so. Yeah, ref so... Snyder actually might be able to. He he's a bigger guy, he's versatile, so maybe, but again, I don't know how much he's ever played it in his career.
1: Yeah, that that's a good point because Ref Snyder would make sense as a fourth outfielder. I don't know, but I mean, you're not exactly hurting if JD's really going to play the outfield. So then you could no, because then I don't know. It's a mess right now, and it's not. It's not a great bench. It's not a. It's not a bench that you're excited about. So, and,
2: and I think I, I would rather they go with Sanchez and Ref Snyder over Arauz. I, I think Arauz, we kind of have seen that he needs more time. And he's younger. He's 23. So send him down. Let him get full at-bats and bring the two veteran guys up. Let them be your final bench pieces.
1: Honestly, Arauz wouldn't bother me as much as you might think. but He can go in the outfield, too. He did it once. so And he, in the middle infield as well. Second base, yep. at least. Yeah. Yeah, so that's another possibility. All right. Well, we'll we'll see how those develop. Uh, before we do get into our uh, picks, let's just get into some pitching real quick because that's not looking great. Um, well, Michael Walker is actually pitching better than I thought. Uh, I think he he got out of some jams in yesterday's outing, but two fifty seven ERA and and in seven innings. He's given up only two earned runs in those seven, so that's pretty good. Nathan Avoldi is looking very acey. Uh, last I checked, he must be pitching tomorrow or the next day. I feel like he hasn't pitched. Yeah, he has the same same exact line: two fifty-seven over seven innings. And uh, what's that? Is that nine strikeouts? Yeah, wow. Avoldi struck out nine nine batters so far. Um, But after that, it it tails off. Uh, Darwin's in, getting knocked around. Uh, Tanner Houck was pitching pretty well until the the third inning, and then bases were loaded. Five walks in in that uh, most recent outing. Hopefully, this next week and a half, some of these guys will turn it around and and their command. Deekman, another guy who's putting guys on base left and right.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm and, not. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh yeah, I was gonna say I'm not too worried about the control stuff right now. Um, if it continues into the regular season, I'll be a little worried. But one guy I've loves, Rich Hill. Rich Hill has absolutely been crushing it. Um, he's barely let up any contact whatsoever. I think he's only walked one guy in five innings pitched so far. Only three hits. He's looking great, and if he can give you that 160 innings, like he seems to be able to. Do anytime he's healthy, that's a, that's a great number four to have in your rotation, and he's so fun to watch too.
1: Yeah, he's he's got the uh, the Jake Peavy mouth on the mound, just drops f bombs, and yeah, I, I like I like Rich Hill though. He did pitch, I think, right around 150 innings last year, so it's plausible that he could do it again. He if he didn't just turn 42, he's about to. I I think. I think it's sometime this month. So he, he's up there. He's in Bartolo Cologne territory, although pitching a lot better than Cologne was at this point. Um, so we'll see. Do you think they're going to have to manage his innings creatively, though? Like perhaps skip some starts, maybe utilize him maybe in the second half as a long reliever when Paxton comes back? I think they would be smart, too.
2: Yeah, I, I look at like Rich Hill as a guy that he's in the rotation right now because Paxton's not ready. Sale is hurt. And I also think like they don't know what they're going to get out of a guy like Tanner Houck. And I think Whitlock is going to the pen. I don't think he's getting stretched out to be a starter. I know he pitched a couple of innings today, but they yanked him pretty early. So I think they're still being ultra careful with him. Rich Hill to me is like a, a placeholder right now. He's your first half placeholder. He's going to keep you in games, you know, is he going to be lights out? No, but like Andrew said, he's a perfect number four back end of your rotation guy. And then when sale is ready and when hopefully Paxton comes back, then maybe Hill is is a long relief guy. Maybe Tanner Houck, you know, if they feel like he's starting to get tired, they can skip some starts for him, put Rich Hill in there. Um, I think Michael Walker is going to serve a very similar role to that. So he's a valuable piece to have. And the fact that he's still pitching well and looks like he can still give you that 140 to 160 innings, that's that's perfect. That's what they need.
0: If he goes five innings over 30 starts, I mean, you know, that's 150 innings. They might I, I don't see him being a guy that they're gonna ask to pitch in the playoffs when they, you know, limit their rotation down to three. I think they I don't want to call him a rented mule but <laughs> I don't really think they care too much if uh, they kind of run his ancient arm into the ground here so I say you ride him as hard as you have to at least the first half of the season until Sale and uh, Paxton are back I sorry Rich but like you're taking one for the team here
1: I think they would try to utilize him in the playoffs I mean just looking at last year we could have used a Rich Hill in the playoffs as a starter or a reliever well, I, I would think as a starter, I, I remember Alex Cora saying he was, not, not these weren't his exact words, but he was essentially scared to death of Houston seeing Erod again. And so I just feel like a, a four-man rotation is probably more ideal based on certain matchups.
0: I mean, I guess they could really make one full like eight inning starter out of Rich Hill and Garrett Whitlock if they needed to in the playoffs uh yeah I I don't know I guess he has to get through the season healthy first before we speculate on that because there's a damn good chance you know he's gonna go down for a while
1: he has had blister issues most notably throughout his career so that's possibly something to watch for There's going to be that's going to be a narrative, though, with how and Whitlock that doesn't go away. If Houck is struggling, people are going to be clamoring for Whitlock. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. But it's going to be a narrative that won't go away. Another one that's not going to go away, I don't think, is is Bogarts or story at shortstop. I don't see any scenario where Bogarts comes off of it as much as I would like him to. But if he's given up errors, People won't shut up about putting story over there. It's just going to be something that just won't go away. So those are just some things to look at. I also had Duran Bradley written down. If Bradley's just completely lost people, people probably will want Duran out in right field, uh, assuming he's still in the organization. So, well, we'll see, I guess. But all right, let's get into our picks uh as far as the win totals go so jason why don't you lead off where, where do you have the red Sox with this current roster
2: well i'm gonna be more optimistic than i was last year i think last year i picked 83 wins and they made me look pretty stupid for that one
1: so 84 um, 84 84 okay <laughs> <laughs> no, just no um
2: no i actually think they're gonna win 94 games wow um I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about their lineup. I think their rotation in the second half is going to be better than it is in the first half. And, again, everything is assuming health, right? So this is assuming a healthy sale, assuming a healthy Paxton comes back. I think the bullpen is better. I like the Diekman and Strom additions. Um, and, you know, the Trevor Story addition kind of put it over the edge for me. I mean, that's a, that's a big, powerful right-handed bat. That's going to be in the middle of your order. Um, and I just, other than the Blue Jays, the rest of the AL East doesn't scare me. The, the Yankees don't scare me at all. Um, that I, I, There's a weird feeling around the Yankees right now. Like, just a complete lack of confidence from fans, own, you know, management, even the players. It's like, it's a, the Donaldson thing I think is going to blow up in their face. Um, the Orioles stink, the Rays, I you know. I don't know. I always say the Rays are going to take a step back and then they're always hanging around, but they don't scare me. I think it's going to be Toronto and Boston duking it out for the division. And I just think the Red Sox are going to be as good, if not better than they were last year. So 94,
1: 94. That's uh, that's that's optimistic. That's well into the playoffs, even if it is a wild card. But go ahead, Andrew.
0: I had him, I, God, I want to put him at 90. I was, I've been thinking 89, but I, I after hearing 94. I think I got to go down <laughs> here. I,
1: I, I thought I, you I, might upgrade yours three <laughs> games based on his predictions.
0: I know I almost did. Um, <laughs> I do think that the AL East is going to just absolutely rip each other apart this season. This is a division like we haven't seen, uh, the, the Toronto, absolutely loading up. Tampa always pulls the rabbit out of their hat. The Yankees will run into Cole a few times. They'll have a good couple games. Other than that, I'm not too worried. But we do have the NL Central, which is nice. So, you know, when we face the Reds, as they continue to sell off, I mean, maybe we can just take a player home with us when we go out to Cincinnati. Um, I just don't see them losing, you know, like over – 10% 10% of those games in the NL central this year. So I think we're going to just absolutely feast when we get those, uh, sort of, sort of matchups. So that's, I'm going 90.
1: All right. I'm not as quite as optimistic as you guys are. I do have them seven wins over my last year's total. So last year I, I had them only winning 78, uh, this year, I'll pick them to to win 85. That might be good enough for the sixth seed. I, I don't know. But it's still a very wonky roster. I, I don't know that we've completely replaced what we've lost. Well, yeah, maybe we have, actually. Because Story takes over Renfro's production and then some. And... You haven't really replaced Schwarber, but we'll see. It's the rotation that scares me. And so let's talk about that because from them to – how do they get from where I'm at at 85 wins to where you guys are at at 90 or 90 plus? Like what has to happen? Because there's a lot of guys in this rotation that just haven't done it. You know, Michael Walker hasn't. Nick Pavetta hasn't, Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, if he becomes a starter. I, the, the rotation just leaves a, a lot of question marks for me, and you're not going to have sale for a couple months, and what are you getting <laughs> out of sale? So that that's why I, I'm not super gung-ho about the season. Now, we did get two games from the World Series I think the stars aligned perfectly to get us there, but so what, what has to happen?
2: I, so I think that Ivaldi has to somewhat match what he did last year and he's not, he's not going to have exactly the season he had last year. I think that was mostly an outlier, but I could still see him being in the top 10 for Cy Young voting by the end of the year. If he is at least close to what he was last year. Um, It's assuming that Nick Pavetta, you know, he was a bit of a coin flip at times last year. But for the most part, he was, you know, he was one of your better starters. And if he's just a solid number three, that's good enough. And then Sale and Paxton coming back, that basically replaces what you lost with Erod going out the door. And then you have to think that either Tanner Houck or somebody takes a step forward. And it it could even be someone like, you know, a Brian Mata who just, you know, tears it up in the first half and they go, okay, bring him up. Let's see what he's got. He may not have anything that may not happen, but I think one of the young guys, whether it's Hauk Whitlock, or someone like that takes a step forward and all of a sudden you've got a pretty full rotation and a good bullpen and the offense is going to put up big numbers. They're going to score a lot of runs. So you're always going to be in it offensively. So I think that it's more going to take form in the second half. I think the first half, it's going to be a little bit of just Evaldi, Pavetta, Rich Hill, Michael Walker, them kind of carrying you. And then when you get guys back in the second half, Sale and Paxton, and maybe you make a deal at the deadline, you know, who knows. Um, And all of a sudden it rounds into form. And I think that's when they really take off.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of points there. I, I do think Nick Pavetta is going to take a large step forward. I do think that they will be a lot more active at this trade deadline now that the tax won't be an issue. I mean, as long as you stay under, what, 270? That's when the you know the draft and penalties start kicking in. So they're not going to have to worry about you know getting a guy that's only making a million and a half the rest of the way. And they'll have the prospects since they didn't deal them um, last deadline they didn't lose anyone with the rule five so i really do think that they'll be able to absolutely load up the deadline if they need to uh whether it be pitching or a corner outfield bat and another factor i think is going to play in we have a lot of guys going for contracts you got Xander going for a contract devers wants a contract hopefully that gets figured out kike's in a walk year nate's in a walk year you got a lot of guys that have a lot of motivation to be at their very best so i I like having guys like, you know, that have that motivation and how many of those are Boris clients too. So we we always see Boris clients give like 120% in their walk years. That is giving me hope that we'll see some, some pretty big fireworks out of those guys.
1: I hope you guys are right about all of that. I mean, Pavetta and Houck are the two that have to do it for me. I'm taking last season for granted and just, Hoping Avoldi pitches to about that level. If if Pavetta is June through halfway through September, Pavetta last year. I mean, you're getting crushed, and I we haven't seen anything from Hulk yet. You you were hoping he was working on stuff, but it it just seems like the the same guy we left off with. So, and then you don't have sale, of course. And we've got a tough month of April. <laughs> the toughest I, I can ever remember, quite frankly. That's how tough it is. You got you got Tampa in there. You got Toronto twice. I think, I don't know, Detroit, I think, gets shuffled uh, later on. We would have played them. You got New York at least once. You got the Twins who... I think are going to be good enough to give us fits and they, they could be a dark horse team. I mean, they have made some moves, so it's, it's tough for me to get to where you guys are. I don't think we're going to be as bad as I I thought they were last year, but, but (laughs) I don't know. You mentioned Devers real quick before we do sign off. Did I see something about him not signing a contract during the season? Did he shut that down? Have you guys seen that?
0: He said he didn't want to deal with a contract extension during the year. Um, you know, you could say that till someone shoves three hundred million dollars into your face, and then I think your uh, principles kind of go out the out the window at that point. but um yeah, it sounds like he really wants to get it figured out before spring training uh, comes to an end,
1: right, okay. That's. I thought I saw something. I forgot to look into it, but I think that is his way of trying to leverage talks now and, instead of uh, later on. And I don't think they even would. If they don't approach him before the end of spring training, I don't think they would have had any plans anyway to discuss it during the season. But, yeah. Another thing that kind of struck me weird about Devers since we're talking about him, Alex Cora says he is becoming a man, uh, Devers is. I'm like that's kind of that's a weird thing to say.
2: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what what he means by that. I mean, I know that like Devers' personality is very kid like at times. He's very animated in the batter's box and stuff like that. So I don't know if like that's Core's way of saying, "Oh, you know, don't be fooled. He's he still hasn't reached his full potential yet." Um, but yeah, I, I again, just would you just freaking sign the guy, please? Like
1: God. <laughs> We talk about him hopefully becoming like a, an Adrian Beltre type guy, and I think he is. I mean, I think he's there. I think he's giving you about that. His average isn't quite there, but when guys are on base in front of him, Devers is driving them all in. His postseason numbers are already elite, and it's not even a small sample size. I'm trying to pull them up right now uh in the playoffs he's above 300 he's he's a 303 hitter on base 382 his slugging percentage is close to 600 <laughs> so i but it's, i'm glad alex core thinks he's becoming a man <laughs> despite all of that yeah
0: i i mean this has got to be his breakout year right i think this is the year he Puts all of it together. He looks like he's cut down the weight. We saw videos of him working out all offseason. He's looked good in the field, and it's never been his fielding per se. It's been him double clutching and throwing. That's where all of his errors have come. He gets to every ball. I mean, today he knocked one down that was an absolute hard shot, but that's been the only mark on um on the spring training so far. I They have to get something figured out because if not, he's gone. I mean, they're going to trade him next offseason. It's a lock at that point.
1: They have to if they, if they don't sign him. And the rhetoric of much of the past week is they, they want him here long term. But I think he's kind of hearing the chirps that he's not a good defender. And I think, I think that's part of the reason he showed up in shape. The, the best we've ever seen him show up into spring. So I, I think, and he knows guys are coming up in the pipeline and, and Bobby Dahlbeck plays an adequate third base above average, actually. So, yeah. So I guess, I think that's,
2: play. I think that's another reason why you could see some of these guys having monster years. Cause I feel like him and Xander are playing with chips on their shoulders. You know, like it, Sanders sees Trevor Story come in, he hears all this hype about Marcelo Mayer, and you know he's getting chirped about his defense. Raffy Devers sees the Tristan Casas hype. He sees, you know, he still doesn't have this extension yet, and oh well, maybe someone else will be playing third base in the future. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. Like I think those two, I think the left side of your infield is uh, is is playing with a burr under their saddle. So which could be good. Because again, I think those guys could have monster years.
1: Absolutely, I forgot to give Job's win total. He's right near where I am, eighty-six wins. So right, right about where I am. So I was asking for Charlie's. Let me just. I'd say eighty-six sounds like the floor. You know,
0: if they're dealing with a couple major injuries, I don't see them going below 86. I think uh, that's probably the basement of where they can be unless, you know, everything goes haywire, but just with the routine bumps and bruises of the year.
1: I don't, I don't have Charlie's, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to boldly assume he's probably in our neighborhood or <laughs> a little, uh, a little South. He might be the southy guy. If, if we're talking about our wind chart. Um Yeah. And real quick before we do wrap, there is a lot of optimism, though. Um, I posted on Twitter to see where our followers stand. Wow, 97 responses so far. But there's a lot of, uh, in the 90s, a lot of people are are picking 90-something wins, which, I mean, if you're mid-90s, that's possible first place. I, I still think Toronto likely wins over 100 um one guy named Extend Rafi Devers says uh hundred and sixty-two. That would be impressive. Uh Scott George, perhaps our longest uh listener ever, uh says sixty. <laughs> but that's that's on par for him. Uh and yeah, I l I love I love you, Scott. But um yeah, Zach says ninety-three, March Mazness uh let's see 85 yeah exactly what i'm picking so we do have a few north of 100 so there's a lot of optimism either way so we will wrap on that our next show will be well we're not exactly sure it'll probably be midweek sometime that is going to be our annual season-long prediction show so We kind of gave you a a taste of uh, how many wins the Red Sox have, but we'll get into all of our divisional picks, the American League, National League. We're going to pick our MVPs, our Cy Young winners. We'll pick our wild cards as well. We got an extra one this year uh, to consider. And then we will give our World Series matchups with the winner. So it's a fun show. I look forward to it our playoff prediction show that we do right before the playoff start. That's a fun one. But those are the two shows where the entire crew is on uh, giving their picks. So uh, we will be back for that within probably the next uh, few days at, at the most. So And that will be a longer show. So if you have a short commute, it might take you a couple of days to, uh, to get through it. But uh, it's a fun one nonetheless. Everyone have a good start to your week. Take care.